Let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, we're going to be in verses 5 through 11 uh, tonight. Some of the kids might not like this here tonight, but Lionel Messi is arguably the greatest football player. Wow, okay. <laughs> Haters. <laughs> greatest football player to ever play the, the game, right? He had achieved almost every personal and team goal award and championship except the World Cup. He went most of his career, most of his career, trying to attain the World Cup. Well, he finally won it last year. And in an interview, he says that it was a dream that he has had since he was a little boy. And you hear this a lot in a lot of the players who achieved championships and they win the, the finals or they'll fight for many, many years and then finally they get it. Um, they'll say, it was a dream that I've had as a, as a little boy. In other words, regardless of all the victories, regardless of all the achievements that's personal or team, they had a dream and they did whatever they needed to do to achieve that dream. My question to you tonight is, are you built that way? In Christianity, God gives us dreams. We have different words for it. Some of us, we call it dreams. We call it destiny, calling. Some of us might even say God's will for our life. And my goal here tonight with this sermon is to try to spark a fire to those who have given up on their dream. Given up on what God has spoken to them months ago, years ago, weeks ago. Who knows how long ago, but God spoke it. And somewhere because of the circumstances of life, you've given up on that dream. My goal here tonight is to maybe inspire you to do it once again. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. We're going to read um, a story about a man who had a dream. And it's not MLK. <laughs> verse 5 says, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked them and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. Jealousy happens in the people of God sometimes. He says his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled Keeping the Dream Alive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this moment you've given us, I pray. God, let it be your Holy Ghost to minister to every single one of us here. Tonight, I hide behind your cross, Lord, and I pray, let it be your spirit and your precious blood, God, to convict your people here tonight. God, and even inspire, God, and rekindle a fire, God, to pursue that destiny, that dream that you once spoke to them, God. Regardless of what it is, Father, you know it, and I pray you will help them, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said tonight, amen. 
I want to start off with my first thought, and that is God's dream for us. Joseph's dream is actually God's dream. What is revealed to Joseph via a dream was actually God's will, God's destiny for his life. It wasn't his desires or goals. They were God's and God instilled it in them. This is true for many men. There's several people here. I don't doubt it. You had desires. You had a direction. You might have been going in life. But somewhere, God threw a dream to you. He threw a call, a destiny, and you've received it. This is true in my life. As I went into the ministry, I had a direction I wanted to go in life. And somewhere, God took me. He interrupted it. And took me to a different direction. What many people do that's wrong is they attempt to call their plans God plans. They try to say that whatever their desires is, that is what God's plans are. And this is many times, it's, uh, it's, it's a phrase or even something that's taught in the church world in general, as you've heard before, follow your heart. And if you pursue or love it, then God will help you um, achieve it. But if we're honest with ourselves and if we've served God for a, a while, you realize and you understand that sometimes God's plans don't line up with your desires. We try to customize our form of Christianity to our goals and our plans, and we call it God's will for our life this is where you get the whole just tag on God's will to whatever dream you have you and there might be a place for you know a a unique gifting or a unique call from God but somewhere it needs to line up with God see God's will for our life is us getting in the car with God not God getting in the car with us this is the best picture. This is the best way I can try to um, analyze, or not analyze, but try to illustrate it. Whenever we're, we're on, a, on our way out and we want to go fellowship or something, the boys will get together and someone will, someone will call shotgun. You guys know, right? right? Shotgun. You're like, I want to ride front. Shotgun. You, you're, you, it's not God calling shotgun in your life. <laughs> it's you saying, God, you take the wheel. God, I'm just getting in the car with you. It's not, it's not God going for the assist, but it is you following the leader. And it is you following the Savior. Am I making sense here tonight? See, it's the thoughts and plans that God has for us. When God's will for our life is referenced in Scripture, it generally uses these two words, plans and thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans... I have for you, says the Lord. Isaiah 55, you can go to verses 8 and 9, but it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. This isn't a general term. It's not just positive rhetoric. The truth of the matter is that God has plans for us. He has these plans. He has these thoughts. He has these this will that's designed and orchestrated for us. And many times the way he gives it to us is through dreams, visions. It's revealed some type of way. In our text, Joseph, he receives this dream and it was the will of God for his life. The truth of the matter is that here in this crowd, some will be pastors, some will be evangelists, some will be just professionals. They'll be doctors, 
police officers, tradesmen. They'll go into construction. Some will be business owners. Whatever your calling is, somewhere it was God's dream. And if you do it right, you will be the best at it and God will help you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Say with me, beforehand. Aren't you glad that God, aren't you glad that God prepares things? That he gets things ready for you. That's somewhere, he's not up there just running around trying to rally Gabriel and, and all the angels. Like, oh my goodness, he's an adult now. And we, now we need to give him his destiny or oh, he got saved. And now, no, he prepared it beforehand. He has it for us. But you know, the reality of life is that there will always be oppositions to those dreams. There will always be an opposition to God's plan for our life, which takes me to my second thought, and that is opposition to our dreams. We see in our scripture that opposition came against Joseph. Yes, his brothers came against him personally, but really, they didn't like what God wanted to do in and through Joseph's lives. You ever been there before? Or somewhere God is doing something through your life and you can feel the jealousy or even the indignance, if that's even a word, of other people. We know from Scripture the woman with the, uh, with the, with the flask, the, uh, the alabaster box that breaks it and anoints Jesus for his burial. And the Bible says that the disciples were indignant. This word indignant means that somewhere they were, they were ticked off, that they were mad at the fact that this woman will take a whole year's salary and give it to Jesus Christ. And this is what happens many times, that while we give ourselves to God, other people begin to many times feel the conviction of our commitment. You guys know what I'm talking about? When I, when I was in Honduras, I had Pastor Barley preach for me and and when he came and did a revival for, for us, there was a number of people who left the church and we were battling with the idea of what's going on. And, and Pastor Barley made this statement that will stay with me all the time. And he says, sometimes your righteousness will make other people feel uncomfortable. He says, sometimes the way you live for God, the fact that you actually love Jesus, the fact that you're actually trying to walk in purity, the fact that you actually have dreams. Some people, they get just convicted because they don't have goals. I'm going to preach tonight, okay? <laughs> but there's, there's, there's dreams and there's goals that you have and you express them. And maybe there might be a lack of wisdom there. Maybe Joseph shouldn't have told his brothers, hey, you guys are going to worship me later. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not the best um, type of conversation to have with your brothers. But what an incredible thought that here it is, this man, God's speaking to him and others are mad. It's what God wants to do. This is true in our life. We will have people that will come against God's will for our life. It's one thing to deal with what life brings. This is the trials, the tribulations, the failures in life, health problems, things that are unforeseen, you had no clue. It's one thing to deal with life. It's a whole different thing to deal with people in life. It adds a face to it, a personality. Sometimes it's even the people that we love. Sometimes it's even people with our, the same last name as us. And we have to deal with all these things. These attacks feel personal and could cause us to react in a carnal way. 
in a personal way. See, if not careful, you will allow present circumstances to determine how you view God's plan for your life. Here it is, Joseph has a dream. And this dream has nothing to do with his life at this moment. It has to do with later in the future. And commentators say it was decades before that dream came true. But he had to go through everything you read about in his story, the jealousy. You know from studying the Bible that he gets sold into slavery. Goes through the whole um, interpreting dreams in jail. And he does all of these different um, moments in his life that are incredible moments. But somewhere he's promoted to become the prince of Egypt. Here it is, a man who's entrusted with political power. And then finally his dream comes true. But he doesn't get there without all the disappointments in life. See, we all struggle with disappointments. As a matter of fact, I don't doubt it. There might be people here tonight, you're struggling with a disappointment right now. Might be some type of failure financially. Maybe somewhere you're struggling with sin. You feel like you should be further along. Maybe your marriage is hanging by a thread. But there are disappointments in life. And the most difficult disappointments to deal with are when you have prayed about something for a long time and it looks like finally God is going to answer, but it takes longer and longer. See, it's hard not to be disappointed at God sometimes. It's easy to feel like God might be just playing a cruel game with us. And somewhere we're just, we're just pawns on a chessboard. If we're not careful, we can get this twisted perspective because of what we're going through right now. See, hell will come against God's will in your life. We know Satan's character because Jesus tells us. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 8.44 says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is the character. This is who hell is. This is what Satan tries to do in your life. See, when Satan comes and he gives you these promises, he gives you these, these baits, if you will, He's a liar. It's a lie. He will try to deceive you to think that you can mix your carnality in God's will and still be successful in the kingdom of God. I've had to tell people before, you're not going to reap the blessings of God if you, if you sow disobedience. If you're going to go and disobey God deliberately, don't expect to be in a place where you're receiving God's grace where somewhere you are receiving the blessings of God. This is what Satan does. He lies to you. He deceives you. He will try to deceive you to think that other options are better for you. I wonder what went through Joseph's mind. And it obviously there is this context to scripture or a tone to scripture that Joseph comes and he might have even been excited to tell his brothers 
Listen, I had this dream and God's going to do this and, and he's going to do that and he's going to promote me and you're, you guys are going to look like this, but you will be with me. And somewhere his excitement, he's telling his, his brothers, but obviously the Bible says there was jealousy there. I wonder if in his mind somewhere he might have said, well, then if they don't want it, then I don't want it. Then you see his father begins to challenge the idea. I wonder what went through his mind. See, the temptation is to make decisions and alter your life based on how you feel and what you're experiencing at that moment. Don't you wish you were a fly on the wall in some of, some of our stories? I wonder, and you know, it's, our, it's the Bible. We get, we get what we get from the Bible, right? It's, it's, like, it's like kids, right? You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. It's just what it is. There's a details and we expect, we pray that God will reveal to us. But I wonder if there was more dialogue between brothers. I wonder if there was a slap somewhere there. You know what I'm the temptation many times is to act out on how we feel right now. But you know, Christianity is about submitting our life to God's will. It's a compromise. It's not just singing songs together. It's not, it's not just come, uh, wearing a shirt and tie. It's not just not cussing or listen, listening to a certain type of music. It's submitting your life to God's will. And that requires for God to make our path straight. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, an incredible text. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We've heard that before. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make you straight. He will make straight your paths. What an incredible text. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Makes you think, right, some of the issues we have in life is because we didn't acknowledge him. You didn't consider him. You made this big decision, and you did not pray. Somewhere you took this big step, somewhere you, dis you made a, a choice, a decision, and you did not speak to God. It says in all your ways, sit with me, all. Turn to your neighbor, wake him up, say all. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That's an incredible dynamic. God can make your path straight. See, spiritually speaking, we're sloppy runners, we try to run, and we're everywhere, and we're, and we're like babies, right? Like my son, Tiago, he's, he's, he's every, he's, he's like bouncing around, and he falls, and he gets, that's, that's us spiritually. But when we acknowledge God, when we consider God, when we lift up our eyes and our focus from ourselves and from the distractions and say, God, what do you want me to do? Father, I want to achieve the dream that you've given me, not what I want, and you put your eye on focus to that goal that God has given you, it is then where God says, I'm going to help you. It's almost like if God put that backpack on with that leash. You ever seen kids like that? It's almost like he put it on there, and somewhere you're like this, and he's like, <laughs> and he's just making your path straight. But that's a good question to ask ourselves. It's, can we allow God to make our path straight? The name of our church is the Potter's House. Because we recognize that God is the potter and we are the clay. This means we're not in charge, God's in charge. What an incredible analogy, but to think about it, the problem we have is that the clay talks back. Right? 
a regular potter does a, he's got an easy job. Some of you guys, you remember the movie Ghost? Well, Patrick Swayze, <laughs> he's, he's in there, he's, he's having that love scene, right? He's just in there with his, with his wife and, or, or whatever he's doing. He's doing the whole thing, right? That's, 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 that's a lovely scene. <laughs> you know, the problem is, is that if that's replicated with us, the clay, we're jumping off the wheel. You know, we're just, don't touch me. Can he take your life? Can he take your life and adjust some things? Can he take your life and cut some things out? Can he shape what he needs to shape? See, when it comes to God making adjustments to our life, many people act like little boys under some clippers. I took my son Tiago to get his first haircut a few months ago. And he did pretty good for like 10 minutes. And then he started to move around, right? He starts, he starts to, he hears the buzzing and he, and he moves. And, and you hear this, adults, we just don't care. I saw a grown man one time fall asleep under, at the barber chair. And the, the, the barber's holding his head up and he's just, he's just cutting. But many times God's trying to just settle us down so that he can shape us and mold us. Think about Joseph's roller coaster of hope. He received a dream from God and his hope is this high. Then he's sold into slavery by his brothers. His hope is probably a little low. Who knows how many years passed in prison. Then receives a dream along with Pharaoh's cupbearer. There's probably some hope there. God is speaking to me. He's set free from prison. Now his hopes are high once again. Doesn't that sound exhausting? One day you can trust God because life is good, but then life is raw, bad, it's low. See, what allows Joseph to see breakthrough in his life is not being at the right place at the right time. It is being the right person at the right time. That's what allows you to achieve destiny. You're not going to stumble into destiny. You're not going to stumble into being a man of God, into, into a woman of God. Destiny is something that we run towards and you become that person when you get there. You've heard Pastor Campbell before say one of the hardest things in life is arriving at destiny and not being the person to be able to attain destiny. I want to close my third point. That is keeping the dream alive. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you lost hope? Hope is a precious commodity. When you lose hope, how do you keep going? The Greek word translated for hope in the New Testament is elpizo, which is E-L-P-I-Z-O, which means to anticipate with confident expectation. That's somewhere you just understand who God is and what his character is and the in your actions and decisions aren't based on what you feel at this moment they're based on God's character you know why that's a benefit for you because life has ups and downs because life changes if you put it on a man that man will fail you you put it on a woman that woman will fail you but when you put it on God he is the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change it's this unwavering, unsteadfast 
love and this hope that we have is what Paul says, I believe in the book of Hebrews, this hope that we have. He's speaking about this character of God, that God doesn't change, that he's not bipolar, that he's not like our spouses that might get mad and turn our back on us and tell us to go sleep on the couch or wash the dishes for the next eight months or whatever the case may be, right? Or somewhere that there isn't like this revenge to him that he looks at us and he loves us. And that dream that you received years ago, months ago, weeks ago, who knows? But that year, that, that dream that you might have given up on today is still God's dream for your life. Isn't that incredible? That somewhere out of all of our mess, God's looking at us and he says, listen, remember that plan that we have? Let's pick up where we left off. You know, when you really read the story of Joseph, you can only come to one conclusion, and that is that Joseph had to go through this. That's the beauty of life. It's when you look at it in retrospect, when you go back, you look at some things in life, you're like, man, I had to go through that. That shaped me. That made me into the man who I am now. Now I know how to deal with this because God put me through this. He helped me. No doubt there are some things that we create ourselves. There might have been an easier way <laughs> uh, somewhere. You know what I'm talking about, right? I've preached before. You can't create your own mess and then call it God's storm. You've heard people, oh, I'm, I'm just going, I'm going through a storm, brother. No, you, you spend all your money. And now you're broke and you, you, you can't say hell's after you. There are some, there is that dynamic, but there are times where we have to go through things. Joseph needed to learn how to keep the dream alive through hope, even in the prisons of life. You know, it's incredible. There's a pastor, Nigel Brown. He preached a men's discipleship here recently. Um, right before Prescott Conference, he preached it at Robert Correa's church. And he spoke about Jesus praying at the garden and you guys remember he turns around he looks at his disciples and Peter um, is snoring you know so it's it's he turns around he says can you just not watch with me for an hour and you guys know the story right he's telling them that and he took this interesting perspective he said that it wasn't that Jesus woke him up to pray because you don't see that you don't see him Jesus waking him up to pray you just see them rebuking them right you see Jesus rebuking them it's like it's like he, he woke him up because he understood that the disciples needed to see him win. What an interesting take. That somewhere these men were going to go through things on their own. And somewhere they needed to see somebody win in this area. They needed to see Jesus, the Savior. Up until that point, they've never seen Jesus tested like he was into that moment. And somewhere they were able to see their Savior overcome his flesh and end up on the cross making the dream come true. See, God uses disappointments, failures, shortcomings to bring his servants to the place where there is only hope in him. It's a painful process, no doubt. But I believe God has to do it because he has to strip us of every human hope. Any human wisdom, Pastor Campbell many years ago says, God can use a man unless he can break a man. He must get us to a place where we have nowhere else to go. That's where, that's where Jesus took his disciples, right? Remember when he tells the, the crowd to leave and then he looks at his disciples and says, you can go too. And the disciples said, we have nowhere else to go. 
That's the place where God wants us. A place where Jesus looks at us and we have nowhere else to go. We want to live here. Reminds me of a quote that I ran into. It says a Christian is like a tea bag. He's not worth much until he's been through some hot water. What are you going through today? Or what you are going through today is to prepare you to be the right person at the right time. See, I'm not speaking about moral failure or sinful lifestyles, a deliberate disobedience to God. What I'm saying is those moments of struggle that God says, I'm going to use that for your good. It's not the character of our God. Uh, Romans 8, 28, for God will make things work for good for those who love him. Make all things work for good. I want to tell you here tonight, brother, sister, friend, tonight, God has not given up on you. So you don't have to give up. That dream that you had, that calling, I had a man one time tell me, God's not schizophrenic. If he called you, he's not calling you. He's not, not calling you now. So there's this dream. And I, and I don't doubt it. There's people here, listen, you have a dream. You have a destiny. You might have even seen it vividly. Might have been like Joseph. You actually had a dream. Or maybe even in thoughts and imagination, you can think about it. You've talked with your friends, your brothers, your sisters. You've said, man, one day we're going to do something for God. One day we're going to be here or the church is going to be like, sometimes we have a dream for our church, amen? amen. It's like, well, our church is going to be like this and we're going to do this one day. And maybe it's something personal, your business or someplace, your family, your marriage is this dream that is godly, that God gave it to you. You know God gave it to you. Don't give up on it. Don't lose hope. Doesn't matter what anybody says. Doesn't matter what hell says, what some jealous brother says. It doesn't matter. You keep that dream alive. Hope tonight is reaching out for something to come. See, if you've given up on your dream tonight, my goal is to rekindle that. While Joseph had every reason to say that God had forgotten or given up on him, he didn't. And he saw God's breakthrough. And I believe there's people here, that's the way you're going to see it. It's by you committing yourself and saying, I'm still going to be obedient to God's call. Don't make the mistake of quitting and allowing the dream that God gave you to die. Most of us, we've seen the meme. I wish I would have had it on the screen, but... It's this meme, this, this illustration of a man who's shoveling and he's moving dirt and he's, and he's getting closer. You can see it. And then the, it, the meme is a still picture, obviously. It stops like right here and it goes like this. There's a tunnel. He's been shoveling. And on this side, there's treasure. And there's like this little, this much. And you can see the guy turn back around like this because he gave up. But it was like, it's just one more. Just, just, just one more time if he would have been there. Just one more, one more movement, one more shovel, and he would have seen the treasure, and that would have done something to him, and he would have shoveled as much as possible if he would have seen just a glimmer of that gold. Don't make the mistake of quitting too early, of throwing it all away. I heard a man say one time, don't blow it because you blew it. So don't just throw your life away because you messed up. Keep the dream alive. Amen? 
keep the dream alive. Know that what God gave you, regardless of what you're going through right now, he will make it come true, true for your life. So God is, we know that our Bible teaches us God is not a man to lie. Right? So we stay true to our God in obedience, knowing that God will make it happen for us. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Keeping the dream alive. Very simple thought. No doubt there's destinies and callings here in this place. Some reason, somehow, some way, maybe you've given up on that. May God give you the strength and courage to pursue it. If you're here tonight, you're not saved. You're not right. Well, God, if you're to die at this moment, heaven will not be your home and you want to change that. Quickly, if that's you, would you raise your hand? God's dealing with you. Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. You know about God, you had a relationship with him, but today you're far from him. God's calling you back. Listen, God loves you so much. He's calling you back to a relationship with him. That's you. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Last call. You're not saved. You're backslidden. Raise your hand. I see your hand in honest hearts. Amen. Anybody else? God's dealing with you. Praise God. Children raising their hands. Amen. Amen. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to Christians. I want to speak to the church. Listen, church, this is something that hell uses many times. Discouragement is so hard to deal with. It's so hard to deal with. If you raise your hand, I want you to stand up. I want you to come forward. We're going to have somebody pray for you here tonight. Amen. Praise God. As I was saying, listen, church, discouragement is something that's so hard to deal with. When we fall into this trap of discouragement, there's very few people that can call us out. And this is why you need a relationship with God. You need to have friends so in the area of friendships that they're able to call you out. But listen, my goal tonight is to keep that dream alive for you. God has a destiny and a calling for you. Pursue it with all your hearts. Pursue everything that God has given you. And listen, the Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. When you prioritize God, listen, it's an incredible thing. Everything is blessed. Let's stand up to our feet tonight. I want to encourage you to sing out this song here with us in choir. Let's stand up to our feet. This, this altar is open. I want to encourage you to come and get a hold of God. These altars are open here tonight.